This smells really good. Oh yeah? Did you spray it with something? Uh, you know, I uh, disinfect them, all my microphones, every once in a while. It's me too, just a little combination I, of I water that. and a little uh, diluted alcohol. I do so, that yeah, that's that's the the real, you know, the normal way to do it, I should say. Um, I use a trombone mouthpiece cleaner, which is effectively the same thing. It's yeah, just that's a little what bit it of it's like. a little bit of mint scope and a little bit of uh, alcohol. That's it. I love how big and fat your waveforms are. Oh yeah, that's what she said. Hey, you have a voice for audio, man. Oh, thank you. Well, it just so happens that he does voiceover mm. work. Oh, is that I right? Do. And it just so happens that the microphone I am doing voiceover work into right now is his voiceover microphone. Not like the same model. It's his microphone. It's really broken in. Then it's, it's got my it's got my name on it. Or it had my name on it once it upon is. a time. Yeah, there we go. There it is. Keep oh, that on. Oh, I would never take that off. Get out and of here. And then uh, that one is my current voiceover All microphone. right. I'll try not so. to uh, spit on it too much. That's, what the, oh, that's no, what the filter's no, for, buddy. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so normally we have people like do a little show and tell, bring some gear over uh, for us to kick off the podcast, but it, like you already have so much stuff here already. <laughs> anyways, that it's just like fucking, it, I, I, I thought about it. I was like, should I tell him to bring something? Like, no, he wouldn't be able to get it home. You'd need to like rent a U-Haul or something yeah. to get all this shit back. You'll have to rent the U-Haul because you've been borrowing because it. Because I've been here. borrowing yeah, it, but you know, I mean, that's just like, it's just kind of like, you know, like how a girlfriend takes your like favorite long sleeve button down or whatever Man. that's just kind of that's just, i just talk like to talk into his mic hey so we've been talking to this guy who is this guy who are you why don't you I, introduce yourself my name is matt skaronsky i uh i know henry pretty well i i, I just met uh dave but uh and for for the loyal me. listeners uh i feel like at least once an episode we mentioned someone uh, this elusive character by the name of stingray yeah hey. this is stingray <laughs> motherfuckers hi guys oh, and oh there's a knock we have door. a guest now, how much of this do you edit out, and how much do we just like play it out? Well, Henry for the does listener a good bit of editing, home, unless it's unless it's fun. Yeah, for the listeners at home, uh, Henry is being evicted right now. <laughs> Failure to pay the rent. No, but in all seriousness, we do need the, power uh, to run yeah, the podcast. The, the, the ComEd repairman just walked in the door. That's a serious and, uh, mask and helmet setup he's got yeah, on too. This could uh, might do some welding. This or could go a number of ways. I hope this isn't a thing where they have to turn the power off for like six hours. Woo! It's okay. because I looked so important. Um, wow, that was a uh, that was a hell of a start to the episode. Right that guy, there. he had the, he had a serious helmet on with the mask and everything. With a mask, was he ready to do welding? Double lights. That was a I welding. I don't know, mask. dude. He was a, he was ready to install a new fucking meter. Jesus. Yeah, I've had the water guy come in with like the rigging harness. Yeah. On. Like, what do you plan <laughs> did, on doing? Did you in parachute my down from a helicopter? What is going on here? So what did I miss, boys? What are you guys been we chatting were, about? We were kind of talking about um, remote jamming a little bit. Have you ever heard of Jam Base? I oh, think yeah. you've heard of it, For right? Sure. And that came out a while ago. Do you know? Is that still around? Do you know, like, if that exists? Did you know somebody what? improve it? I don't know. Honestly, I have no idea. Yeah, it looks like um, you know those conference call phones that are in like an office. They're like, like the, they have like the three the three legs on them and the like, polycom. The Wait, I yeah. think I think you're. I don't think that's called. Is that Jambase or is it Jam Hub? I think that's Jam Hub. Jambase is a different thing. Oh, but I know what you're talking about. That was actually a really you cool can play product. live remotely with people. Not only remotely, but silently in the same room. So if you have like yes. modelers, if you have electronic drums and yes. shit, it's it's essentially it's a mixing. All board. it is is a mixer designed to easily let monitoring and mixing happen happen independently for about 
about four people. And I remember when it first came out, the big marketing push was you can play with somebody in like Wisconsin. Totally. If you to. Just I, just Wisconsin. It has to be only they have over to be one within, state border. Within like 500 miles or something. I like to think that there's you know a dozen people. I'm about to piss off your entire Wisconsin fan base. Oh, we've got uh, a huge They're really listening, listening from Wisconsin. I, I like to think that there's about 12 people in Wisconsin with good enough internet. <laughs> hey, man. There's like 26, all right? In, in fairness, my... Uh, I do a lot of stuff in Wisconsin. I I, I snowmobile uh, up in Eagle River uh, every year. Love Eagle River. Go man. even further north into the UP. Beautiful. So the the part of Wisconsin I'm familiar with is the rural, mm. like cell phones don't even part, work yeah. out there. No towers, yeah. no anything. There's awesome. a payphone in the center of town. Yep. Um, parts of Wisconsin. So uh, apologies to everyone in Racine. Green Bay and Milwaukee, <laughs> and fuck I know, else. I yeah. know you are civilized, uh, but you know what I mean. It's up, up there. It's a, it's a little simpler. So they, they might have a jam hub. They might have a jam hub. Yeah. There's hey, one so in the center guys, of racing. What do you guys say about having a podcast? Maybe let's have episode twenty-one Dude. of the podcast. We're fucking legal, bro. We're legal. I was thinking about that well, today. Let's, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. I've got to go to work after this, so I'm I am not invited. Uh, Henry's responsibly not drinking. I'm not. I was going to go back to work, but I finished my little my little project nice. that I was working. What were you working on? Uh, a little scenic prop, just hmm. a little hobby of mine. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yes, for a, for a, for a certain friend's, friend's wedding, wedding yes. uh, coming up this weekend. All right. Well. We'll get back to that. I want to. I want to get into what deep into what Stingray does. But in the meantime, we've got some. We've got some segments that we like to get. Got into. some business to take care. Got a little biz to take care of here at the top. Uh, usually, as we do, we get into the Ministry of Corrections. Great fucking episode last week for those of you who who have been listening. We had our good friend Zach Livingston on the show. Yeah, great, like a nice man. Zach's great awesome, man. man. Uh, a lot of cool stuff came out of that one. Uh, I want to go visit that Lakeland factory one yeah. of these days real soon. We're taking a Gear Hunks field trip. Gear hunks field trip, perfect. It yeah. sounds like it's not that big of a deal too. He's like, yeah, you just swing by, man. It's not a and it's and I mean it's in Ravenswood. It's not like it's far. Yeah, so I, I always thought it was like I knew it was in Chicago ish, yeah. but I didn't know it was in Chicago. Yeah, you know I'll just saying? I'll pick you up and we'll head over. We'll head there. up there. So Shit. sweet. Um, hope you're listening, Zach. I know you are because you love us and our voices. Uh, but a couple of things to correct from that one. Mm. Well, I guess maybe not totally correct. Maybe just clarify because I didn't know some things. Uh, a couple, a couple base boys came up in that episode that I didn't really know too much about. So I did a little bit of digging. Actually, no wait, I should take that back. I did digging on one of them, and I'll tell you why. First one, Joe Osborne. Yeah. So that came up. I didn't. I mean, I knew that I had heard the name. I didn't know who he was. So I just did a little bit of reading. Came up with a couple facts that I think you might like if you don't know already. Yeah, bring it on for the, those loyal listeners. We talked about Joe Osborne. From the Wrecking Crew, I think that's probably what he's most famous for. Uh, they say he's perhaps the most recorded bassist of all time. Uh, actually passed away at the end of last year, so that's oh. sad. I didn't really realize that. Wow. But then after the Wrecking Crew, he went over to the Nashville A-Team, which was like the Wrecking Crew of, of Nashville for the 70s and 80s and played on countless hits there. This is something that Bass Boy Dave is going to like. So uh, he obviously has that Lakeland signature. Mm-hmm. Before that, he was predominantly associated with a 1960 stack knob J. That's right. That Fender gave to him. Yeah, oh, really? I, and it was like in the it was like in the maybe late sixties. Yeah, they just like gave it to or maybe mid seventies. So they, they, they must have just had it when around. they were like two hundred dollars. Exactly when nobody <laughs> wanted that old right. shitty jazz bass. Yeah, and yeah. Like now the one that you know everybody kind of wants. Um, but this is the thing that I thought was most fucking impressive. He had he strung it up with a pair uh, a set of Labella flats. That he left on for 20 years. Damn right. The most recorded bass probably ever is one set of strings. A jazz bass with a set of old with flats. With old flats. Yep. 
Damn right. Cranking them mids. Dude, I you know what I, you know what you gotta love about Stingray? This dude comes fucking prepared for everything. Yeah, he's, he's got his own pelican next to him. Just pulled out clamps to use special clamps, which it's a great idea. The the microphone cable was tugging a little bit, so he just clamped it over. Love this guy. He brought an extra mic that I'm using right now. That the you're SM7. using. You know what? I didn't even bother to adjust the settings on the 57, but it sounds because I had the Does 57. Does it sound good to you? It sounds good to me. Great. I think it sounds I, like uh, SM7. I, I live in hotel rooms. Yeah. And so oh, okay. Home is what you make it. Mm, I love that. So I That's just, awesome, man. You have to find the little things that, that bring you joy. So uh, the next part of the mystery, the other bass boy that I couldn't come up with, I couldn't, I couldn't even remember. What Pop is his Bob? name? Bob Glob. See, I was trying to find Bob Law, like Bob Law, Bob Law, I texted you Bob Glob. I know, I and then I, but we text too much, and I, I couldn't find. I I tried to search back through, it and I was like, I'm not spending ten minutes looking yeah. through our text text. He's shit. got an extensive that, list too. Wasn't that Scott Bayo? It was Scott Bayo, indeed. Bob Law. Bob, Bob, oh, Bob Law. Bob Law. Blah Law. Blah. Bob Law. Blah. Law. Blah. So, do you want to talk about Bob Glob? Well, just like I, a I don't. You know, I don't remember uh, exactly, but it, I just I know he recorded like on every studio record. Basically, ev- any classic rock studio record, he's like on it. Okay, it's crazy, and I like there were lists on there where I'm like, wait, I thought the bass player from like you know I thought they had a bass player, and it's just like nope. Or maybe he played with those artists. Like I know he played with like, I mean, just you know the Eagles, Tom Petty, like all these different okay. guys. Sweet. You know, now so I know, now I can actually look up Bob Allman Law. Brothers. Um, you know, many, 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 many. All right. Well, so I guess if people really care, they can look up Bob Glob. Bob Glob. But isn't it like GLAB it's or something or GL, AUB? GL- a U B. There it is. That's Wild what that, there, that was my problem. Couldn't find German. that. Carol uh, K for life. Oh well. Yeah. I know how you feel about her. Uh, the, the rest of the world doesn't yet. Uh, let's see. I want to at this point just say you know we've got Instagram. I feel like we're getting a lot of good followers. Thanks for checking it out. Super awesome to engage with folks there. If you haven't yet, go go check out the Instagram. We put a lot of cool stuff on there, and uh, we we at least every day we're we're putting some stuff up. There. We're trying. We're trying to keep it interesting. We're gearing it up on the on the IG uh let's see what else do i got here oh i was this is like i probably might even edit this out but i just wanted to mention remember we were talking about the ssl6 with uh our buddy britain mm-hmm. which is like that compact slr mixer or ssl mixer and i uh had kind of like talked myself out out of wanting it <laughs> i just read a review that um talked myself way back into wanting it oh, is, oh really wait you again. read something that made you want a piece of gear online i know as, as, <laughs> like who would have thought well i had re- i had also read many things that made me not want it only because of connectivity not right. quality but then i was i, I just read a, a, i think it was music tech uh, review of it and they the way that they were talking about using it is exactly what i would want to do with it and i was just like 1500 bucks for two SSL channels and the SSL G bus compressor. Like that's what okay. Britt was saying, man. He's like, dude, it's, it's the best bang for your buck. It so is. So I think I might, I think I might have to do, do it. <sighs> I have so many things that I need, need to do, which takes me to the next segment that I, uh, this isn't, this is not an official one yet, but I think it could, it could get, get there. I'm calling it grinding your gear hunks, uh, <laughs> because things tend to grind my gears. What grinds your gears? Well, I'll tell you what grinds my gears. I experienced something this week that, or I guess it was the end of last week, that is a, is a new thing for me that I think every guitarist has to go through at some point, mm-hmm. and it's really tough, and it really grinds my gears. What do we got? I, I broke the headstock on my oh. SG. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry to have to bring it down a little bit, boys, but it really grinds my gear hunks. It was one of those things where I, I didn't, I don't think I dropped it or anything. I, I just, 
it just got picked up off of its its rack that's normal spot and well, i was i that, was there you were there we we were actually hanging out with zach after the podcast we were looking through your guitar mm. collection and you were like check out my sg and he flips it over and is like whoa headstock break huh and, you're and like, i was like no that's a thing like i've never had a headstock break on that guitar right and then i felt as it you flipped it over or you there, felt it and there's a headstock uh, break it isn't all the way through. Yeah. It feels it's fairly not, superficial at this it's point. It's not like it's hanging off or anything. It isn't hanging off. I've I've left the strings on because from everything right. I've read, you're supposed to do that. You don't want to remove the pressure that's on there right now because it is in some sort of equilibrium. Um, but I, I it's that's the most sentimental attachment I've ever had to anything physical, you know, an object that in guitar. my life. That guitar. Wow. I'm saying that's, don't don't give up. Oh yeah, I, I can't up, I can't give up. But you know, it's it's that's it's not my most valuable guitar. I've talked about it on, on the show before, but it's one that I will never, ever get rid of right. because it was my first Gibson. It was my first super high-end guitar when I was maybe 20 or 21. I got it. I traded some stuff. Helped, I had my parents help me. And that was a guitar I toured with probably Vampires and mm-hmm. you know put all of the wear and marks. And I bought it brand new, and it's kind of beat up now, and I did all that myself. That It's just a guitar that I'll never get rid of. So. Okay, well... You know, that's the kind of silver lining in this is that you're not trying to sell it. You know, it'd be one thing if you were going to, you know, buy it for have it for a couple of years and you're like, oh, it's, it's worth so much more money. I'm going to sell it. And then the neck breaks. Yeah. I mean, that would be really sad. But, you know, get it fixed. And if you're going to keep it forever, it'd probably be more stable once they repair it. That's know? what they yeah, that's the, what they say. I was going to. Is that true? Speaking of fixing it, I was going to I was going to see what your thoughts were maybe on this. Can, yeah, see, can we I, just throw some tight bond in there? I, I can't speak to your to your sentimental value yes but but coming from a guy that specifically seeks out and buys crack headstock guitars (laughs) but you can get a hell of a deal man i mean oh all the time uh great stuff because so many times people buy a brand new guitar it gets shipped to them Mm -hmm. Uh, gibson's with that angle is probably the biggest culprit i believe it's 14 degrees um tough one yeah and it comes cracked the people call they go oh man yeah we're so sorry about that we'll send you a new one yep just Throw the, the other old one, away. one, yeah. Throw it away, yep. and if those people have any sense, they'll put it on eBay for right. two hundred bucks. Yep. Why not? Uh, it's a you know easy money falling on your lap, and and I usually purchase it. But see, the the luxury that I get versus you is I get to pick the crack, mm, right? Mm. Because some uh, I bought a Breedlove uh, Pursuit that was yes. cracked, and it was cracked in such a way, and I mean it, it has more to do with the saw of lumber Mm -hmm. that the neck is made out of than the actual whatever event made it crack. But that one was cracked in such a way. It was obviously a downward crack, but it was putting pressure uh, uh, against the crack. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, keeping string tension on this is going to be the best clamp that there possibly is. Right. For something like that, and it was a it was a very easy repair. the The biggest bitch of it was uh, um, matching the stain, which uh, that was a very difficult thing to. So I, if I we can if we can give the listeners maybe there. like a condensed two minute version of what it takes to repair that kind of headstock break, what what does that look like? What are you doing to to fix that? With that one, the net uh, the, the break was so clean, and the worst thing you can really do with any piece of cracked wood and uh, i've been building and repairing furniture uh for years um and so this is just basic woodworking is 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 you you really don't want to upset that grain at all 
Um, what does that mean? Upset the grain? You know, because it it's 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 torn. When mm-hmm. it cracks, mm-hmm. it it it's physically tearing fibers. Wait, real quick. This is a great thing here. I've been noticing a lot, in, and I've been watching a lot of woodworking videos. What's the difference between ripping and cutting boards? I oftentimes will be like, "Oh yeah, we've got to rip these boards," but then they'll talk about cutting stuff. Is there a what is ripping? Um, is that a separate thing, or is that just like weird wood woodman lingo? It's, it's I'd say it's more nomenclature okay. and, and so there's no difference jargon. like between like throwing a, a board on ripping a table saw or no, and that's that that's ripping it. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, uh, carry on. By all means, people. Uh, uh, tweet your angry responses to Henry and <laughs> sure. at Henry um, Bianco at Twitter. I think we have a gear hunks Twitter, no, so, but we don't use it. So, so that wood, it, it, all these fibers have 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 been ripped apart. Mm-hmm. And what a lot of people want to do is then kind of take those two pieces, separate them, and start kind of brushing the grain around. It's like now you got to be really careful because you want all of those things to fall right back in hmm. line. When you put it together to get mm-hmm. the just the most surface area, the most the the, the tightest bond uh, that there is, and with this one, you could tell that the, the 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 break was very clean. I mean, it was really more like they just put the just the right amount of pressure on that point. It was enough to 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 tear it a little bit. It wasn't all the way through. It was really only about halfway through. And because the strings immediately took the tension back on it, it basically reseeded itself. There was no oxidation in there, nothing swelling. So it's like, all right, I need to just get this separated just enough to get something all the way down in there, mm-hmm. which is when I would, uh, different breaks would require different glues, but this one was just a quick uh, CA, cyanoacrylate, super glue. The and real, so the real difference? water thin stuff that just pours right in there. So it's a matter of the viscosity of the glue. You mm-hmm. want to if it's if it's a really tight, tight crack, small break. You want to use a very thin. Yeah, you want to pull it vi- apart just enough to get some some airflow in there, so you know that this stuff's going to travel mm-hmm. through. It was pouring out the other side of it, so I was I was very confident that that it it made full penetration and then immediately just put tension back on that thing like i said the strings were the best vice that i had for this particular mm-hmm. yeah break it worked out in your favor uh yeah and that still wasn't the end of the job because it, what that did do is is basically rendered the 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 nut that was on there i wouldn't say useless but it definitely had to be modified mm-hmm. slightly sure. to get the action back where i back where i felt it needed to be okay um so for a and for that one like it, mine, it, it required just cutting a new one i just sure did that i i keep a, a drawer full of blanks yes you do um shooting blanks over here stinger style up. uh so for back to mine um because i'm selfish grinding my gears here what do you do you think i could p- perhaps get away with just kind of maybe pulling it open a little bit, getting a little glue in there and then clamping it back down. I mean, what what do you so, what should I do, do you think? I I, I know I'm sitting only feet away from yeah, it. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll look and at I it. Haven't, after. I haven't looked at it yet, but what what I saw in that picture you sent me, mm-hmm. that crack is the opposite of what I dealt with. Oh, really? Okay. On the breed level where it looks like the tension is only Pulling going it. to pull mm-hmm. that right. further away. So that's that's going to be 
a, a, a tougher diagnosis. And I'm not, I'm not particularly, I'm not going to like, I don't want to refinish it or anything. Like, I don't care. I actually would probably prefer that you see the crack at this point. Like as long as it's structure, structurally sound, I don't want to like match the finish or anything. Like, I don't give a shit about that. In fact, I think it's kind of cool if it has a little scar. Um, so anyways, I don't know. I just wanted to, I just wanted to process that with with you because i think you guys can can relate I, in some I, ways and I, I i feel for you and I, do. Uh, I, I just for I, for those I of you that have had out. it happen we're pouring them out for you if not you know i'm sorry when and if it eventually does because if you have enough guitars it's probably going to happen yeah i was going to say it's maybe not a matter of if but when sometimes yeah. if so, you keep it happens shit happens you know, uh well that's uh i think that's a ministry anything else we got for that one no no all right well then we're going to kick it over to my favorite part of the whole podcast every week Dave's Docs, baby. Dave's Docs. All right. Woo! So yeah. I can't log into my phone. I forgot the name of the doc I want. <laughs> um, oh, I got it. I've yeah, got, I didn't want to be rude. I, I didn't want to be rude. Lambert and, and Stamp? So it's called Lambert and Stamp. Um, it's a Who documentary. Who? Like Who? Who's like the band. Off? Are, you, are you guys Who? <laughs> are you fans of The Who at all? Who? Who's that? Exactly. Who um, are you? Really, <laughs> really interesting doc, man. I didn't even know this movie existed. I really just actually. love CSI intros. Anyways, this is a really good, uh, a really unique doc, man. I didn't know it existed. Um, Where did you watch it? I watched it on, it's on Amazon. Sweet. It's available. Um, it's not free, but you can pay for it. Yeah. Um, so anyways, it's, it's, it's basically, <laughs> it's the story of these two guys in the early 60s, I think like 62, 63 in the English, kind of the rockers versus mod scene. Cool. And they wanted to start doing like, they're, they're filmmakers, right? So they're like, well, we want to do a, a movie. Like we're, we're going to go down to these, like they used to have these parties in like the basement of these clubs or just like houses or whatever they were little areas and they would shut off all the lights and they would turn the heaters on and like put the colored bulbs in just so kids would be sweating and they would have bands playing and like it was just this mess of like you know 15 to like 20 year old kids basically and so these guys are like we got to you know document this and then we're going to find a band that's kind of predominantly doing this and we're going to follow them and kind of see what happens well they met who became the who and basically these guys were just playing and they're like, they started being friends with them, following them around and they ended up managing the band. So these two mm. guys managed the who the whole career of the who pretty much like up until like the late seventies, early eighties. Oh, I think so like the part that matters. 81. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like the good part. Mm. Um, really cool. I'll like perspective it. from it though. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the guys passed away in 81. The other guy helped make the movie, I think, which is kind of funny. Cause wow. he's like my whole career. I actually never ended up making the movie. Right. I just, became a manager so he's like i guess this is the movie you know oh man i need to see this <laughs> it's, it's awesome dude it's all wow. like it's tons of old 60s footage um it's it really takes place in like the early mid 60s <clears throat> kind of the like early 70s era of the who um all the juicy stuff all right let's hear about the gear man what did you see Anything come on cool man on there I, I you know is there ever been a band that's owned more guitars than the who that's you know man that's a great question i don't know and so this is kind of a cool story so uh, a little background. They ended up the manager guys. They get this. They get this flat in like the rich part of England. Like okay. Really, really, or London, or whatever you want to call it. It's really, <laughs> the rich part of England. The really rich part. <laughs> the southern. Part. Yeah. The southern I like part. to think that that's what the sign says. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the rich part. Well, of England. To the rich part. It did because Governor? so what they would do is back in like you know the mid '60s, you could go into a bank and you could be like, I would like to open an account with you, and they're like, Okay, you know, what is your address? And you give them the address, and then that is where they would send bills or whatever. But as soon as you said the, you know, the name of the, the area that they're from, they were like, okay, no problem. We'll sign you up right now. And they're like, I would like a $5,000 advance, please. And they're like, okay, no problem. The who 
literally never paid for like anything, man. They lived in these flats with their managers and the managers were like, just, just put everything on like quote unquote credit Mm -hmm. and just be like, whatever, worry about it later. They would go into like music stores and just people would just give them guitars and be like, we'll, we'll pay you back later. And then there's even a scene where, uh, Pete is describing he's, he goes into he would go into this one guitar store I forget the name of it and he would just be like he'd be playing a guitar for a second and then he'd grab it get up and be like I'll pay for it later and just run out the door <laughs> before the guy could say anything they had so many fucking guitars and that's why that band was constantly they would have like a hit song get paid for it and they'd blow all the money on guitars they went through so many fucking instruments oh, I don't man. think there's a I don't think there's a scene in the movie or any movie. I, I also watched uh, The Kids Are All Right, which is mostly like live, like one song performances kind of scattered throughout their career. Mm-hmm. There's never a scene where they're playing the same guitar twice. I mean, I know Pete kind of had a few a famous guitars. Those few where he had like, like number five or yeah, whatever on and there. And John had like a couple bases that you yeah. kind of see. But I'm telling you, the early stuff, man, like old Fenders, old Gibsons, Vox guitars. A lot they, of Rickenbackers they too, They would right? smash every guitar at every performance. There's oh. even a scene where they're kind of like, they're at dinner and he's like, are we just going to become like this sideshow? Like, uh, this is what we have to do for the rest of our career is just smash guitars. Like, I'm kind of getting tired of it. And, like, you know, uh, Keith Moon would, like, jump through his drums yeah, right. and, like, pick them up and throw them on the ground. I mean, it's it's awesome, man. I think The Who fucking rocks. Maybe I'm on a kick right now. No, dude, I'm with you, man. The they, Who are one of the they greatest rock bands of all time. fucking yeah. rock to its fullest, dude. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think any punk band that ever came out of, like, the British scene definitely had to have been inspired by them. Yeah, I mean, their music, like, to call it punk might be a little bit of a stretch, but their, Not the music. their attitude, the attitude and their ethos the way they looked well that was the other thing about this it's that like I, punk rock's uncle yeah they're yeah. they're the they're the punk right even like the grandfather maybe, punkles that's know? gotta be a term right uncle yeah uncle. i don't know shady uncle punk, shady punkle hank yeah but uh anyways check it out it's called yeah. say one more it's time <laughs> it is called lambert and stamp lambert and stamp are the two guys chris stamp and kit lambert yeah those hmm. are the two guys who um who managed them so i'll, get a, li- I'll get a link up on gearhunks.com under the dave's doc awesome. section we'll get the uh little amazon link skis going and uh actually i think you know what i now that i'm saying that i realize i never even put last week's up because I, I didn't either i didn't send it to you either. oh well that's why <laughs> that could perhaps be why i forgot absolutely so uh cool dave's docs man there thanks for thanks for another awesome one no problem i've got a i've got a little edition of the riff library to get into I here s- i saw it you want to you want to grab that bad yeah, boy sit next to you, you right there you read this whole thing in a week yeah uh what dave is picking up right now that i'm pointing to is called the beatles the complete scores and what that is is every single released Beatles song ever in their history on on record songs, full transcription. We're talking voice, All bass, parts. drums, keyboards, synthesizers, Jesus. you name it. It's in there. You want to take a look at that? Every yeah. song. It's heavy as shit. And and, and so it comes in a slipcase, which if, if you'll grab, uh, it just so happens uh, mentions that on there. So I loaned this to a friend of mine years yeah. ago, and when he handed it back to me, he had a, a post-it that was on there that just says "She's so heavy," which That's I hilarious. think is fucking hilarious, and I'm never taking it. <laughs> that off. might have to be a the photo for uh, the episode. That's so great. that could, that's a good call. That very well could be. Uh, th- honestly, I have spent a lot of time with that book. The only problem, and I'm noticing right now with uh, with a buddy Stingray looking at it here. It is very small print. Well, it has to be. be- exactly. Yeah. So in order to actually read it, if you're going to, say, perform some of the songs from the from sight reading, you're going to have to photocopy uh, for sure. Blow it up a little bit. But, man, I, I'm so glad I bought that thing years ago. It's, it's not a cheap book. 
you know, but uh, to have all of the Beatles catalog at my fingertips at any time. What did they have? As Was it like 196 songs or something like that? I don't know. We can count them on I there. I think it was. Um, 11 official-ish studio records. We don't have to get back into that. We've had that discussion before. No, it was just funny. Like one day, 97.1 had a thing where all day on the Saturday, they played every single song in alphabetical order. Cool. Well, it was awesome. Because with, like, the, short do they still do breakfast breaks. with the Beatles? Yeah, 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 they do all or that. Is that XRT? It was like a special. Uh, XRT does yeah. the breakfast with the Beatles, but it was like a special thing. On, cool. I don't remember whose birthday it was or whatever, but it was like every song. So I mean, for ten hours they played Beatles music. You know what that reminds me of? I have a feeling you were going to mention it. Stingray, am I pointing at you in the right time? Have you ever heard of the podca- podcast Boom. Alphabetical? I love it. I knew that's where you were going to go. Love what it. do you got? There's a podcast called Alphabetical. It doesn't exist anymore because they made it through all the songs. But basically, they started with the first Alphabetical Beatles song and did an entire podcast episode about each song. Wow. Yeah. Every song from 12 to Y. 12 to Y. There it is. Just broke down every song. Every single every, song. So, so the guys, do you know their other work? Oh, uh, Star Wars Minute. The Star Wars okay, Minute. Cool. That's how Which, I became familiar with them before Wait, hold on. Let me, let me tell what, what, you, what that is. That is, they take every Star Wars movie. Start. I think they started with A New Hope, right? Yeah, they or, started, but, uh, they've done them all in chronological release. Chronological release gotcha. order. Which is the and right what, way to watch them. I every single podcast is about one minute of Star Wars. Yeah. So, so the whole cool. first episode is nothing but the title crawl. Right. And they and for 15 or 20 minutes whatever it is, yeah. they just discuss anything that between the four or five guys or whatever guests they have on that week, they talk about whatever they know about that one minute of the movie and then they go to the next minute the next week and the next minute the next Holy week. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, dude, it's nuts. And so Bro. yeah, it's it's some very in-depth that's nerdy some microscopic crap, uh, i mean if, if you're a, a star wars nerd like i am mm-hmm. uh like henry mm-hmm. is uh and perhaps like you are i just saw the first three two christmases ago and okay, meaning so meaning a meaning one hope. through three wait, 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 wait. no uh four, for the five. first time ever first time ever and was that a was that a conscious choice to never see them? Uh, it, you know, I'd seen bits and pieces growing up and all that, and I had like you know the Ewok Star Wars you know figures and oh, all sure. that stuff, and my neighbor had all the toys and stuff. But like, I don't know, it, you know how I am, man. If something gets really hyped up, I don't usually I check feel it you. out. But uh, I wa- I did watch the ones that weren't um, affected by like the remake shit. Wow, that's, so somebody had that's a, copy a way to do it of that DVD from like eBay or something. This guy has the, uh, sure the laser disc rips, yeah, which is, which is kind of like that's the, probably the gold standard for us nerds because that's yeah. Pretty. So th- now that's a second beer crack right there. We should we might as well mention it. This episode is not brought to you by. Actually, I'm not drinking. This so is I don't Bell's, know what it is. Bell's official hazy India pale ale. Ah, oh, an IPA. Who would have thunk? But I guess you could say it's unofficially sponsored. There it is. I did mix it up. I got us some golden lagers, too, from Founders. Well, I wish I was And I look forward to uh, trying one. You absolutely can. But anyways, that was was Riff Library into an accidental pod pals right there. Yeah. Even though they're not our pals. We kind of shout out. Yeah, shout out. So shout out to Alphabetical as well as Star Wars Minute. It's a fabulous. fabulous Beatles Complete Score is amazing. I also wanted... I had a different one planned for today, actually. But then I remembered this morning that the Abbey Road remix came out this morning as well. Oh. And I listened to that top to bottom. And boy, oh boy, it is wonderful. Awesome. Yeah. It is exactly because I've got it's my hard. It's hard. Up. It's hard to it's hard to pick a favorite Beatles record. But I think if pressed, I would typically say Abbey Road, partially because the songs are great, 
There, although there are a couple that I skip every time, such as Maxwell Silverhammer. However, the, <laughs> that it, because they got to the eight track at that point, that is their most hi-fi sounding record. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. man, it sounds so cool. I love it. I can't. There's a, a separate two extra discs worth of outtakes and stuff. I haven't gotten to that yet. I'm definitely going to be spending time getting into it later. But um, I listened to the record top to bottom, and I'm. I'm so happy with it. It's not. I've listened to the other remixes that Giles Martin did as well, which for some people they might balk at, but he's still George Martin's kid, so get off it. Uh, I I thought that they he went a little extreme in some ways. Abbey Road it was a little bit more kind of restrained. There, are, you just hear things that you maybe couldn't really hear before. Sure. A little bit more of Billy Preston's organ and keyboard yeah, and stuff happening. So. Yeah, some of the orchestration stuff happening. Um, I'm I'm so happy with it. I'm I, I. It's been a long time since I would have even considered buying a remix or remaster Beatles record. Right. I think I'm gonna have to buy the record well, remaster. And I was gonna say too. I mean, how obviously you know we talked about this when Britt was uh, on a couple weeks ago. There's got to be two different, I guess, mixes for it, right? The Spotify version versus whatever they press on a vinyl, right? Or at least masters. Mm, well, I mean, maybe. Or is that just getting too in the weeds? Maybe. I mean, they're not mixing any of the, the bass and stereo, so they can probably get away. What it comes down to is the final part of mastering. All the leveling and all that shit's basically going to be the same. It's just kind of like how they encode it. Yeah. So yeah, there it could there, be another there experience. Be some, there will be I'm some saying. slight differences, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so cool. I, yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look into that. And there and are already so many versions of of those Beatles records out there. You right. know, it's such a such a rabbit hole. Now, I don't have any beef with Giles Martin. Mm. Uh, I, th- I I think he does a, a really good job with all of the things that he's been uh, involved in as far as uh, remastering and uh, re-releasing things. Um, but I'm sick of people arguing, oh, well, it's George Martin's son. Like, he's got to be good. I'm like, well, right. Jeb Bush isn't very good, <laughs> but like he's George Bush's son. That's well, nice. that means you think George Bush was good to begin with. Though. He's making a point, but um, hold on a second. But uh, so I'm, I'm just like, guys, come on, think for yourself. Like, was he like in the studio growing up? Like, does, did he yes, write books? Yeah, he did but, like, absolutely, and he was he sat was next to his dad the whole time. Involved in the production of Abbey Road? Of course not. He was probably like a toddler. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's like, well, why, why, why is this guy like right. the ultimate? Authority. Because funny. George Martin didn't die right after they made Abbey Road. He was around for a long time after that. Oh, I know. And he got and to like, learn like, all of his dad's tricks. And yeah. let's for not forget, he's 50% of his genes. True. True. I'll give you that. I'll but give you the DNA side of that's it. That's right. Yeah, it's, but I, like, I know the, the, the love project that they're doing with Cirque du Soleil Which in I Vegas. went and saw front row. I heard it it's blew awesome. blew my face it's off. It's awesome. Like, yes, George Martin was still around and mm-hmm. heavily involved that's in that. right uh, a friend of mine designed the whole sound system oh cool uh, that was so cool there were speakers production. built into the i heard chairs. that into the chairs, and right. yeah that was the old siegfried and roy theater oh really okay yeah they moved out after the uh incident mm. and mm. uh cirque du soleil moved in wrote that show and uh yeah like so giles i've always called him gilles um, is it G-I-L-E-S? G-I-L-E-S. Yeah. It's Giles. I say Giles. I, know, like, I think British people would pronounce it Giles, but it's also a very French name, and they would call it Gilles. Sure. Yeah. Um, Not Giles? Like Giles. from Street like Fighter? Like, like, no, like Jay Giles. <laughs> Jay Giles band. Multiple Street Fighters, as played by oh, Jean-Claude Highly Bandai. underrated. Highly underrated Jay Giles band. Jay Giles band's got some hits. Bro. What were their hits? I can't even remember. Uh, uh, yeah, love stinks. Fuckers. Well, yeah, centerfolds. The angel is a centerfold. Oh, one. I love that song. Uh, and they love did love stinks. Love stinks is, is fucking. Is so that fun. the was that the, like anti power ballad song? Love stinks. Yeah. You know what? That wow. that is an interesting history. Look up that band. 
Jake if you Osborne. want to read, that's a band that has been around forever, mm-hmm. and for fifteen or twenty years, never got a break until basically their big rush in was the it early eighties. Centerfold, yeah, it was yeah. it was that record, uh, but it, the, it's kind of like MNR Rush for anyone here in Chicago. Like they just they couldn't quite, quite get the through. break. They, they had were, the fan base. Yeah, they stuff, were they were doing the big gigs. They were they playing hit... the big clubs, but they just couldn't quite make it and for years could not get the big deal. They got swooped up in the and MTV then, music video thing. Yeah. Angels finally like awesome made, yeah, I guess they yeah. were they had the visual yep. thing so they they made it. Uh and honestly for that era they were still rocking pretty hard. Uh, uh, pour one out for Rick Ocasek. Yeah. Uh, and the Cars are yeah. another, another one that I one. thought, man, that's that's for people that like to say that the '80s didn't feature a lot of authentic rock records. Oh. There were still a few bands that were making rock. Fuck yeah, they were. Hmm. All right, we weren't I just over synthesizing everything. I've never really given them the time of day. I guess I'm gonna the have Jake to. Isles. Band? Yeah, yeah, maybe after yeah, this. Yeah, we'll look, look past some of the dumb and, and honestly the hits aren't dumb it's just you've heard them a million times yeah. so you don't really care but then like go back to a song like i do it's got a nice doo-wop kind of feel to okay. it and you're like man this is a jam yeah we'll see Jake Isles band had Jake it Isles band. Uh, but yeah so uh, jill martin does giles martin <laughs> does get my uh does get my respect but i i'm just like i i want you to give the respect for what it really is. The fact that he's a very talented producer mm-hmm. who was trained by some of the best, not just because he's George the Martin's name. Okay. Son. I'm picking up what you're putting yeah. down. I but feel that, that probably, I mean, that's a foot in the door regardless, you know, so. It doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't hurt. I don't fault him for it, no. man. Well, cool. That was probably the deepest edition of Riff Library yet. Oh, so love it. No, I never apologize. No. I love, I love. I went off on a... We have rules about not, like, Thinking about tangents, we just we go on them and then we. just I tend to roll. prefer the tangents yeah, actually. That's what makes from it fun. The, from the main stuff. We've also gotten feedback from people that say I love the tangents you guys go on. Yeah. So mm-hmm. all right, cool. Well, nothing for fuck the police. Thank this you to week. the uh, tangential uh, crowd. No, I, I did hear a police radio, a police song on the radio today that I'd never heard before. Or not police, it was just Sting, uh, and it was from like 1985, and it was pretty bad. Cool. Can't remember the name of it, but. 93.1. I bet Thanks. there was a lot of chorus on it. All right, yeah. I'm sorry. This is this is a, a bit that I was a little excited about. Really? Do you have fuck. something for Fuck the Police? No, the, the problem is that I don't. Yeah. <laughs> and the problem is that I'm like, I I purposely, all day yesterday at work, I set my, my Spotify radio to police radio. Nice. And just bathed in the police, yeah. oversaturated myself with the police. Man, I now I'll I'll rip on Sting all day long. Gordy, baby, yeah. same with Andy. But man, Stuart Copeland is just one of my favorite drummers. Oh, dude! Oh, I mean, I, I, I hope we make it so clear. We actually like, we like their music, and and I think they're all super badass. They're just all yeah. fucking assholes. Oh, and, I'll, yeah, I'll, and, I'll I'll give you that. And it's a funny pun to make, so and I want to stick oh, totally. with it. Yeah, and the whole like you know the, all the merchandising and everything that's come out of the band is just yeah. so funny because they didn't start that way, which I thought was really interesting. Um, well, they were like the spoiled punk nephew of the who we did talk about that guitar again i think we were texting oh well it. yeah because there was there was just a little bit more of i guess internet consternation around it people talking smack well this people and thought that. that the headstock had a big pile of blow on it it, it looks like there's a big pile of cocaine does. right on the headstock 
but it's actually a photograph of somebody swimming from, from below. From below, so it like so it like kind of looks like cut up powder, and it's black and white, so it's just and yeah. black and white. Yeah. Saying that was intentional. I mean, no, you don't. You, you don't miss that. Yeah, it's like you're like gonna the, see it. It's not like sure. the weatherman drawing the dick on the thing, you know, and like exactly. He didn't, he didn't know what he was doing, right? But Fender on a twelve thousand dollar guitar, you better look at every millimeter of that thing and know exactly what's going into that. Every thirty five millimeter. I still oh shit. Play one. Uh, I still want to play one too, just yeah. so I can say that I over I paid played a twelve thousand dollars Strat that has ceramic pickups in it. For whatever old. it's worth, before you do this, uh, I listened to your dick guitar rant. Ooh, yeah, and and, and you uh, know the funny thing about that is while I was having that rant, I was thinking in my head like I know a dude that could probably make that happen uh, with the tools to do that, and that man is now talking about it. So this is exciting. No, no so I'm 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 a member of a, a there are a number of of great luthier pages on facebook and one of them that i'm in you know it's they're just places for guys building guitars to kind of show off what they're doing absolutely and oh my god some just gorgeous pieces of art and there's a guy that's making a guitar a hollow body guitar with a sound hole and he's trying to keep it sort of rustic looking and the knot at the center of the wood mm. was knocked out, and he's using that as sort of the natural mm. sound hole, and it's shaped exactly like a fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> See, you didn't and, think about that, Henry. But, dick sound holes. But here's I the definitely did not think thing: of that. is the guitar is absolutely drop dead gorgeous. Oh. He has done amazing things with this i mean just built a piece of art but you cannot look away from that sound hole mm. and so he posts pictures of it he's very proud of what he did as well he should is he be. aware of the the penis That's nature the of it? i'm sure the you're, internet you're let sitting him know, there right? staring at it kind of like he's got to know someone had to say something so for like 10 minutes I'm just sitting there kind of sweating and Waiting shaking, for it, right? <laughs> hands on the keyboard, being like, should I say something? Should right. I say something? Let someone else and, do it. Well, yeah, and nothing's happening. And then I manually refresh the page, and there are now 50 comments, yeah. all people <laughs> telling him, mostly making boner jokes. Eggplant no one emoji. offering any kind of constructive criticism. But now I'm like, okay, this guy's got to know. But then, like a week later, he's still posting he's proud of, of like the progress because again i can't uh stress enough it's a gorgeous right. gorgeous mm-hmm. instrument but it's just it's got a dick on it's it. right there yeah you cannot look away is he past anyone. the point where he could maybe reshape it a i don't little? know i don't or think, is he just i don't think it? he's, he's like, said punted. anything about it i think he was just kind of like okay guys get your head out of the gutter mm-hmm. but it's just like no, no i got dude. bad news for you man everybody's head is in the gutter. <laughs> <laughs> the internet will call you nobody out, man. will ever look away from that oh i hope he calls it a dick top so like yeah, the, the whole time I was listening to your your bit about that, dude, you got to send me. I want to see this. We'll, oh, we'll even plug it for him if he's got a page or anything for sure. Oh, all right. Well, fuck the police. Yeah, sorry, uh, I cut you off. Though. No, there's there's no sorries here. There's no sorries in baseball. 
Uh, getting getting into a little bit of news here, uh, Dave. You got some new gearsies this week, didn't you? Yeah, I bought a bo- a Boss uh, RC twenty XL, okay. which is the looper pedal. That what is? What it's is been it? around since like the nineties, I think, or something. It was the two thousands, but was regardless, it? close enough. Uh, we're old boys. What does uh, what does Bass Boy need with uh, looper pedal? I'm curious. Well, it was uh, so I got the RC twenty. I thought I thought I wanted something where, first of all, they're fun. I mean, it's it's a fun pedal to have. It's kind of the classic. I didn't go deep into like the wormhole of like which looper pedal should I get. Basically, my buddy Charlie has one. Um, I've seen him use it. It seems easy enough to use. I've seen a lot of musicians who shout out Chardog, Chardog, um, who are big and small. Just everybody. It seems to be kind of a benchmark. And like, if you just want to mess around with a looper, grab it, check it out. I'm always coming up with ideas. And by the time I fire up GarageBand, record the riff. And then, you know, make a loop from that. You know, if I just want to get one idea to maybe put mm-hmm. some vocals over, I've already, like, you know, basically lost it at that I feel point. you. And that, it's the race against time. And, you know, there's always, like, you could just record it real quick on your phone or something, but there's just something about the whole process. Like, I'm not set up like you are here where you can just literally plug a guitar in and hit a button mm-hmm. and everything is ready to go. I've got to, like, go get some cables, plug everything in, you know, get the guitar from the back, you know, sure. all that all that stuff. So I wanted to save myself. So it's, it's something that's just going to sit out in the living room, just always be hooked up. I've got the amp. It's already hooked up. The guitar's right next to it. Come up with an idea, fire it up, and go. Um, I got it. I don't really know how to use it yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Dude, I was going to say, that it's, it is very user-friendly, but also the thing I like about it is that it's it's there's a lot of deep options because yeah. you have two pedals on there. Which yeah. I've had a lot of single-pedal loopers, and I just have never quite gotten every what I wanted out of that because you have to do long presses yeah. you have to do double triple it's got a gas and, all that and a stuff. clutch yeah, exactly yeah it's uh it's a little more it like you said it's as easy as you want to make it but it's also you know i'm I'm still mixing up like which one's the start and stop mm-hmm. and which one if you hold this one it'll erase the last thing you exactly. recorded and you know the nice thing is there's a ele- i think it's 11 or 12 different presets on a dial so you can like record one and you can literally bring it over to the next one while it's playing. It has memory. And, and if I, you know, could map that out enough in my head, I'm like, oh, so you could actually write like a song on exactly. this using like two or three of the of the channels. Yep. So, well, you know what, guys, I had a bunch of other news, but we're not going to talk about it because we've spent a lot of time not talking about you, Stingray, and you are the guest here today. Yeah. I'm sorry, Matthew Skronsky, and I. Hey, no, I have failed. We have failed as hosts. Mm-hmm. So let's let's unfail for a bit. What's up? Uh, I I want to start off by saying that I think that at least 50% of my own personal knowledge when it comes to things regarding the science of audio and the confidence to repair things and build things comes directly from my relationship with you throughout the years. Because I was, while I was very curious at a young age, I think I was maybe a little bit nervous to break things and you kind of because i got to watch you do a lot of stuff throughout the years i got less nervous to break things so first of all thank you for that but second let's let's dig into that how did how did we get here how did you how did you get into this whole path first of all actually before that i want what do you, what exactly do you do right now what are what are what are your things that you do for for profession in this world uh professionally i am a uh, i am a live sound engineer mm. Uh, I mix uh, all sorts of different live events from conf- uh, concerts to, to conferences to sales meetings to I don't know, whatever whatever people need to be louder. Usually giant type 
maybe a lot of corporate type events or those sorts of things? Uh, the company I work for specializes in, in, in large corporate events. Uh, I'll do small corporate events. Mm -hmm. um, you know, whatever, whatever people need. I've done webcasts and things like mm. that. Whatever people want to sound good, uh, I am a person to call. Yes, to you are. things sound good. Um, so that's what I do professionally. The, the company I work for uh, was originally founded uh, almost about 40 years ago uh, as a, uh, a custom scenery company hmm. for these same types of, of live events. And then around 1984... Great they year. They uh, great record. <laughs> um, they, they introduced uh, a, a new partner to the company uh, who brought with him all of the uh, the the audio and 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 visual elements from the company that he was running? So they they sort of merged together, and ever since it's been a, a full turnkey production company. But because of its roots in scenery, at least when I was hired, probably about fifteen years ago. Uh, everyone that worked there was sort of required to know how to swing a hammer mm -hmm. a little bit because when the shit hits the fan, uh, which it certainly did around 2008, 2009, right. that whole uh, dark era, um, scenery would be and and was the, the thing that kept them uh, afloat. And so uh, I, I had come into the company with an audio background and that was via Rough, Columbia not College. Polished, correct. Yeah. Uh, a really, really strange Columbia College education that included uh, uh, a non existent major to music composition to radio to finally live sound. Of course. That's how everybody does it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, a fellow alum here too. Oh, hey, my hey, path yeah. has my path has also been very strange. Yeah, and so then then I then I got the job and uh, I I Stop going. To, why? Why go to school? I got the job, so I uh, so I took the job, and uh, at the same time, I, I had to learn a little bit about woodworking, and so uh, aren't I you was, also a certified rigger? I am. I remember I am. that happening. What does that What does that mean exactly? I'm a certified arena rigger, uh, which basically means I am legally allowed to hang things over your head. Oh, okay. So yeah. like the big trussing and all that kind of yeah. stuff we see at, in concerts and, and arenas mm -hmm. and that sort of I think of it's thing. very important for, for live sound guys uh, to have that, especially if you're going to be a, a, a system tech mm -hmm. hanging, hanging large large stacks. And we're talking uh, because, about big big old giant PAs yeah. hanging from the ceiling. Or like baffling. Because like that. that stuff has to be hung by people certified to do it, mm -hmm. Thank God. and the people certified, <laughs> <Right>? seriously, <laughs> yeah, but the, the the people certified to do it aren't necessarily sound engineers. Mm -hmm. So it's a little to, bit of both, then. yeah. So to cross that, uh, obviously, when you when you come into someone else's house, they're still going to make you have them do it. But at least by by having that certification, they're going to give you a little bit um, more credit. And when you ask for things to be angled certain ways or hung certain ways, they're probably going to to barter with me a little bit more than sure. they probably would your average um, dweeb uh, with with angles coming out of a computer. 
So, so I interrupted you. You were about to. Uh, you, you're obviously live sound boy. You're uh, rig- rigging boy, but then you're also talking about woodworking. How did that sort yeah. of happen? No, so uh, I mean, we, I work in a, a company that has a world class scenic shop, mm. and so it got to a point where uh, you know, hey, if you, if you ever want to make something, like you've got all the resources you need here. You've got a bunch of people you can you can talk to and, and trust them. I can give you a, a lot of advice, uh, most of which have retired by now, but I'm so glad that I got to know them when they were around because these are guys that came from old eras. Uh, 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 one of the guys was an old vaudeville carpenter. Cool. Yeah, you know, so I mean, this is just a guy that knows every goofy little quirky trick in the book mm-hmm. was working out of, you know... Ford Broncos building cool stuff. So uh, getting uh, you know little bits and pieces from him and him and him and him was, uh, I'm sorry, it was a very male-dominated industry. Yeah, we, need, um, we need to get some more ladies in the live sound world. I, I, I know a couple, actually. No, there it, are. I, I would say I, it, yeah. it probably needs to be better, but I, I, I'm going to say that over the last few years specifically, I've, I've, I've seen... Uh, quite a few more, and I say keep 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 sending them. Man, let's, I love hearing that. Let's 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 get more, let's get more in. Diversify mm-hmm. this thing, and uh, so yeah, I, I just got into woodworking. I wasn't very good at it, and I thought, well, you know, just kind of keep going with it. And uh, there was sort of, or I had made an opening. And learning how to do CNC machining. And explain that a little bit for the folks. Uh, yeah, a, a CNC router is is really nothing more than just a computer guided router. Mm-hmm. It it just it cuts straight lines where you tell it to cut straight lines. It, all curves are really just a series of thousands of tiny straight lines. Vectors. Vectors. Which um, has a little crossover for Dave because you both are vector boys. Oh hey, Dave vector. works a lot in uh, in Illustrator for the old Absolutely. the old day job. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I I just I really got into that. Like that that made sense to me. I I had no real design background, um, besides just messing with Microsoft Paint when I was a kid. <laughs> Who I didn't? That was but, the best. You know, I I got a pirated copy of Adobe Illustrator. Oh, geez, I don't even want to think of which version it was. I remember like my time. first probably not I, even my CS. first Photoshop was six. I remember. Uh, yeah. Oh, this is well, Photoshop came out before. We're going yeah. way further back. First Illustrator was like two late nineties, I think, or something. Yeah, and so I I got that, and I found out, hey man, you know, like I I know like this this stuck to me like glue. I'm like, oh, this is this is awesome. Like, and I'm. I'm fairly decent at it, and because there's, it's not just pressing a a, a green go button. Right. There's a there's an awful lot that goes into um, programming and 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 then the actual actual cutting. So you are you both hand, you can both work in obviously the vector based software where you're creating the design, but you also are. Uh, you work in the CNC software itself to get it running and getting the machine yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. So you, you design all of this cool stuff that you want to do, but then you have to take it to a, a, a separate application that actually spits out the G code that mm-hmm. that the machine 
reads, and that's where you tell it exactly what you want to cut, where you want to cut it, how fast you want it to cut, uh, etc. And when you get into 3D files, uh, it, it gets that gets hairy. Way, way, way deeper. I made a neat foam Han Solo and carbonite thing <laughs> years ago. And for then, yourself or for somebody else? Uh, for myself. I'm going to turn it into a humidor eventually. How big is it? Uh, it's probably about um, 18 inches long by about 8 inches wide. Oh, man. So do you just you um, you uh, cut each piece separately and then put it together yourself? No, this one was just an actual 3D... Wow file where, oh, the, where the bits actually it's sort of plotting back and forth right. but then it's it's changing its depth according like how I, a 3d printer works on i was gonna say i don't think of, i realized yeah. that cnc has a z-axis i guess i always just imagine it was xy on something like that Be- well and 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 you know i i hear a lot of people rag on cnc machines in the, in the guitar building world I'm, I'm gonna finally pull this back to gear uh <laughs> we'll get there yeah uh, a lot of people like to rag on on CNC machines when it when it comes to guitar building. And I, your 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 buddy last week, mm-hmm. I, I so. man, I felt so great that that he he sort of stuck up for us. It's mm-hmm. like that's that's not how it works. Yeah, you got to cut the so shape. You, yeah, first. you don't just throw a log in a machine and it spits out. A <laughs> Here's guitar. your guitar. <laughs> Actually, we're not far from that. Like sure. it's it's just a tool that right. cuts a little straight. So you and it's don't a safety need tool. I never thought about it jig. that way. Yeah, like he said, it just saves. You could do it with and, your hands. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. No, there there are plenty of things that I will I will CNC cut just because I don't want to throw something like this. In the uh, like a lot of hardwood, you really shouldn't throw through a table saw because the grain can get uh, picked up by the blade and it'll throw the piece right oh, at wow. you. There, there's stuff like that. There's and over the last uh, you know 20 years or so, they've made a lot of improvements to table saws and all sorts of woodworking woodworking technology. But no, that's a very valid thing. Mm-hmm. Like some people do use it for the safety. Well, it's a uh, you know fender. The old, like the pre-CBS, all the strats, the bases, everything, they had this, there was one notch in the lower horn called, they call it the pre-CBS router hump. And that's how you can actually tell that it was made, you know, unless you faked it. But like you could tell that it was made from that era because it was one piece. They couldn't complete the turn because of the technology Mm -hmm. back then. And it always has this, it's not a perfect like this. It kind of goes like that a little bit. And, and for the on. for the podcast listener, he was making hand signs there that were either like it was a U or like a yeah. It was like more a, of a V yeah. versus yep. a U. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Oh, um, that's awesome, dude! I'm gonna have to start I, looking for that because yeah. I yeah. I was not familiar. Look at that's this. A, and we were talking about identifying bodies right earlier. Today. We were talking about that earlier um, today because that's what we fucking do all day every and, day. And uh, yeah. But that's a big way to tell if it's pre-CBS body is it'll have that router niche or that notch. Kind wow, of like cut in cool, there. man. Which is a neat little... Yeah, and so when you are making things by hand, they do have character. Mm-hmm. But not everything you make needs to have character. Right, like exactly. Sometimes, especially in the professional world. Like, you want no, uniformity. Like, man, we, well, we, like, need, we need results. It's like Zach was explaining last week, too. It's, so you you know, you know get the initial shape, but there's a lot of elbow grease that goes oh, yeah, in Oh, that. No, that, that, yeah, cutting that thing out will take a, a minute, but then hours Days will, and will weeks. go in. Yeah. And, you know, there's you, you got to take a, a rasp and a file to it and just <laughs> work on it for a while. Um, so, there's just no getting around that. So... Yeah, I, I feel like in, in, in this world, CNCs are always given a, a hard time. Speaking of stuff you've made, but, I've, well, obviously, 
there are things here you've made. But in the professional sense, I have seen some of the scenery that this man has created in the wild, actually. And I didn't really know until I was there. This was a NAM show. You might remember this, probably oh, yeah. ten years or so ago. I remember two thousand nine. I went, and your company I met had Eddie made Van Halen. So I, we didn't actually see each other at NAM, but I I think you were there before me because you were there for like load in or something I, I like was, that. I was there for weeks. Uh, it felt like, but when I was actually in Anaheim, you weren't there. But I did see his handiwork, and I remember it was in the Jackson. So like there are booths at NAM, but at this particular one, I'm not sure how they have it set up now. Fender, Jackson, you know, Gretsch, all the companies that are on, but. FMIC had like a whole floor essentially. Yeah, they had like a whole huge third floor arena. of the Anaheim Convention Center. And one and side of the hall was their theater. Right, exactly. They had uh, Eric Johnson, Jim Campolongo. They had a, a Jim Campolongo is one of my favorite guitar players. Uh, a lot of these just Fender custom artists yeah. uh, performing in a very tight club like atmosphere. And then across the hall, they had their whole exhibit. And then in there, in the Jackson area specifically, I remember, and I'll try to find pictures that I took at the time, there was this sort of like demon pillar. I don't know how to describe it other than that, mm. this tall thing. And it had like all these like skulls and stuff in it. Sweet. And mm. it turns out it was uh, it was this guy. And oh, yeah. Well, no, it, it, was, it was this guy's company. Yeah. I, I can't take credit for that one specifically. That, that goes out to a, a, a guy that still works with us, a, a gentleman named John Archer, who is just wow. a beast of an artist and i have turned that's a, an example of a guy that i will just never stop learning from he you know did all that with a, a bunch of dumb halloween props from you know <laughs> party city and cans of a uh, great stuff foam insulator yeah. and then a, a knife and then he would just fill it cut carve and it's really a sculptor really it, it was part sculpting and then he's he's a brilliant brilliant painter wow and he put depth and dimension to that thing that was just it it, it it's out of a hellboy movie cool yeah, which is exactly cool. what what want to see this uh, what jackson was looking for it's insane I think they still have it. I don't know if they I still would hope use so. it. Geez, it was super cool. I'm sure, somebody's got it in their house. Or yeah, right. yeah they're on the corner. <laughs> I'll replace that corn plant Dude. over there. That my tree in the corner. I'll get a. Yeah, I'll get a demon tower. Hey, guy who owns it. Jackson. If you're listening to this, they right now. they used that. That was when they, uh, you know, they do those like twenty thousand dollar super authentic re-release guitars. Mm -hmm. They re-released uh, Randy Rhodes mm. Jackson. Uh, the 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 guitar he had. And I met his sister and his brother. No kidding. There. They were interviewed by Scotty Ian uh, for this big unveiling. And I from learned, Anthrax for those of us who don't or for those uh, who don't yeah, know. Yeah, true. And down to uh, that whole the back of his guitar was covered in black duct tape. Mm -hmm. It was right. a white guitar. Mm. Sharon Osbourne covered it in black duct tape really? because before they would come on stage, they wanted all the instruments pre-staged during the opening act. And he would put his guitar uh, strings down, leaning up against the amp, and it was bright white. And she's like, no, it has to be black. So wow. one day, she just came at it with a black duct tape and blacked it out. Sounds like a Sharon move. And he kept it. And he just kept it like that yeah. because she was, the, she was the, what, the tour manager yeah. at the time. So it's like, hey, just keep her happy. Sharon! Yeah, and then uh, he <laughs> passed away, and the guitar has lived in a case... Uh, on a shelf in his sister's house wow. for 30 years since. And then one day the people at the Fender custom shop went over there and asked to borrow it. 
and she she agreed for this this big thing, and they meticulously, because you know the the duct tape frayed. I was gonna say they did the, it. They, they they went and frayed every single piece. Wow. But the, she started crying when she saw the one that they debuted because she thought they stole it. <laughs> That's I mean no, that's like that, that, that's testament. how much detail went into this thing. So that was that was for that event that 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 we made uh, or that John rather made that uh, big stone sculpture. Have you? Uh, I mean, I'm sure you, you get a lot of cool celebrity sort of interactions working that kind of circuit. Are there any that kind of come from, to mind? Geez, from that one alone. Because uh, we, we did a lot of different things for that event. Uh, I wasn't working in the in the theater. I was doing like a, a, a roaming uh, video interviewing setup that we had. And I was just a boom op mm-hmm. for it. And we interviewed uh, Jeff Beck. We interviewed Rancid. I had a crazy, crazy interview with Dick Dale. Okay. Really? I'm listening. <laughs> Love Dick Dale. So one of the one of the booths that, that that we built for that was 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 the Fender acoustic booth, and they had just released Dick Dale's signature. I think it was a Malibu. Yep, that's it. Sure was him and his kid, right? They each had one. It's, so he definitely did. Is that mm-hmm. the acoustic? It's an acoustic yeah, with, with like the, the strap headstock. type headstock. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. and. Uh, uh, I had one for a minute, but it was the Matt Skiba Alkaline Trio that had Shout the little, I didn't know about that. It had, it had the little heart shaped logo yep. as the cut. The heart, the heart skull thing? Um, oh, man. Really? You had one of those? I, didn't I had know one that. for a minute, and then I, I got rid of it. I loved the Fender Acoustics with that strat headstock, so I, I got rid of the Malibu. Uh, and I, I got a Sonoran. Right. Okay. Uh, which I, I still love that guitar. But uh, so Dick Dale and his son are the, the, the target of this interview in the booth. And so, you know, meet us here at, a, you know, one o'clock. We're going to do this, do this interview. So we get there at, you know, 1250. We're waiting. Dick's there. Waiting and waiting and waiting. His son's not showing up. It's, you know, one o'clock, 105. Finally, about like 110, the kid showed up. But right before that. He's just kind of like, I'm sorry, guy. I don't know what this kid's problem. So apologetic. Is. You know, it's Nam. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a people million are busy. things yeah. that will distract you. But he's just like, hey, I, you, you tell kids what time to show up, <laughs> and they don't the show up. Man. And if I just, if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I just looked at him because he's kind of like talking just to us, and I'm just like, yeah, kids, right? <laughs> and That's you're like all I 23 said. at the and time. And suddenly, Dick Dale looks at me and is just like. Yeah, He's like, you, you get, get it. it. You get it. <laughs> so okay, you know that, that's kind of neat. Just talking, just wow. talking to Dick Dale. He's a legend, man. And so we start doing the interview, and they've got uh, they've got a representative from the from the company that's really conducting it. Plus, I had a, a a cameraman and a director, and then I'm just sitting like on the gray. His son eventually shows up, and they're sitting in uh, bar stools just playing guitars, and I'm just kind of like kneeling down at their knees holding this boom mic up and for some reason dick dale's doing the whole interview talking to me (laughs) (laughs) just like looking straight down and the producer the whole time is just like hey you know up up, here buddy up here and he would 
you like know, a child break it, he would make eye contact serious. with them, and then as the thing would go, he would keep looking down That's to me. So funny. And I'm even sitting here going like, hey, "Cool man, like look up, look up, look up. Don't get me in trouble." And it was all because well, yeah, because you're obviously we, off the shot. We right? shared this moment. Yep. And then we, we wrap up. I, I had like put little lavalier mics in their shirts, and I, as I'm unmiking him, he grabs me by the arm, and he says, "Hey, there are two people in this world: leaders and followers. Which one are you gonna be?" <laughs> wow! And I'm just like, "Great to meet you, Mr. Dale." I gotta go. Richard and now Dale. I'm like, wow. oh man, this is getting really and this is getting kind of weird. And then, that's awesome. There's a there was another quote I'm I'm not gonna share, <laughs> but I that, yeah. So I I had a very strange connection with Dick Dale at at at, at that show. Um, I remember another one that I I don't know if it was quite as cool, but only because it matters to me uh selfishly but you know neil degrasse tyson is one of my oh, personal heroes yeah. no he, he was an absolute delight really total delight was it a, was it a national Ge- geographic event or something you were doing uh I, I i i won't disclose the company uh that that, that we were working for but they had a, a speaker uh for an early it was, he wasn't well he was going to be at the event itself but uh, Good Morning America wanted to interview him, and because they knew that like that's where they could find him, they had arranged to uh, uh, do a, just a little early morning interview with him before this was at South by Southwest. So you know before the day really starts getting crazy mm-hmm. with people, Good Morning America wanted to come in. So we were we had taken over this bar and we had reactivated it for the client. And uh, he comes in, and the f- he's seriously full of science. You, he has no off switch. Mm. He just exudes off, right science. across the street. If anyone's familiar with with Sixth Avenue mm-hmm. in Austin, oh, yeah. there's a place called the Big Bang Cafe. <laughs> and he gets out of his. Uh, he had like a a, um, a Lincoln. Navigator, navigator, probably you know a, a large like a car all service. black S. Yeah, yeah, you know just a, a a limo service. He comes out of the car. He's wearing a six gallon cowboy hat. <laughs> yes, with a macho man Randy Savage leather jacket. Oh, I know no. the fringe jacket you're talking all about. The frill yep. coming how, off of it. This is Texas. this is how this guy dresses. That's his leisure so he, wear, and he's gigantic. Is he a big guy? He's huge. I didn't know that. He was a linebacker. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Yeah, he is gigantic. So he gets out of the car. He's about to walk into our venue, and then he sees the Big Bang Cafe (laughs) across the street. He's just like, oh, I've got to get a picture of this. So he's now standing in the middle of six. Here's this gigantic man wearing a giant cowboy hat and a frilly macho man (laughs) jacket. Just like, oh, yeah. Science, brother. And uh, cars swerving around him, beeping, people screaming, and then realizing and his, it's the man. No, and I don't think any. But I, I look over at his, uh, his, his, his handler, his agent, manager, whatever, and she's just kind of shaking her head, just like, yeah, when, when that's his incognito outfit. <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> like, he's in disguise when, right now. When he wears that, he thinks he's invisible. <laughs> oh my god. 
And so, all right, well, this is very comical. But he comes in the venue, uh, and uh, we're in a bar, and one of the beers on tap there is called 512, very similar to Chicago's 312. Mm. It's based on an area code in, in the area. He just, he's already into the Good Morning America bit, and he sees the 512 and is like, does anyone know uh, you know, how area codes started? Would you like to know? And <laughs> wow. he just, he's, you know, the whole crew is just, we just had to be you there can't say to no turn either. the lights on, really. Like, we're not producing any right. of this Good Morning America. They have all their own people. We're just hanging out, having a good time. And he's kind of like talking to us because we're his audience. And same thing, the producers are like, hey. Hey, we're we're doing a bit over here. You're hosting a show <laughs> later yeah. today, and he's just giving us a personal science lesson on area codes and the history thereof. And producers looking at us, and I'm like, I'm getting a one-on-one science lesson from Neil, Neil deGrasse, deGrasse Tyson. Dude, bite me! <laughs> I'm not telling this guy to stop. And just could not be a nicer uh, person. That makes me so happy. Signed I'm delighted by that story. He's like, he is just, he's a delight. He's like what when you took like, He just wants class. the world to be smarter. Yeah. yeah That's it's, all he wants right. in he life. Wants he has educate, no agenda. But he <laughs> genuinely loves. He just wants the, the world to be a smarter place. Man, I had such bad science teachers when I was in like junior high and high school and all that. And I, everybody should have just been like just. Just like him, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, we had Bill Nye, yeah, Bill science Nye, guy growing which, up, which, you know, I, 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 I do appreciate Bill Nye and, and everything he's done. And you done. do rock a, a bow tie yourself from uh, time I to time. I do love to I rock could see a bow tie. That. I don't like mixing in a necktie. Ties can... And for, they these, get in the way. for these corporate things. events, you've got to look nice. You've got to oh, have, I, I, you've I have more mobility of, with a bow tie. Yeah, no, Absolutely. I... I that's a good point. Yeah, I bet you no, get a lot of compliments on that too, dude. That's a old. that's a pro tip right there. If you've got to mix a corporate event in a suit, get How about yourself this? a bow tie. You ever bow played tie. guitar with a tie on? I sure have. That shit gets stuck in the string, might, buddy. Might wear a bow tie next time. Wow. Yeah. No, it's Rick Nielsen knew what he was doing. Damn right. Hell yeah. Um. So, yeah. That's, I that's feel like I've been kind of dominating all the the questions in my bud sting here. Uh, what do you? Uh, anything you want to toss his way, buddy? Yeah, I, I have a few questions just about general like building. If you want to get back to it, I mean, we oh, yeah, we we let's get let's get to the gear. I mean, uh, let's well, get I was just gonna stuff. say, do you have any guitars yourself that you cherish that maybe you didn't build, like something you bought? Do you have anything in a collection or? Uh, so I, I love I love buying broken gear. Yeah, and, and not not necessarily broken. I, I I don't stop at broken gear. Can uh, I just say, if I could fix guitars, I would buy so many broken guitars. I just don't have the means, and I don't want to pay someone else hundreds of dollars yeah, to and, do it. And it's it's just fun yeah. to me. It's it's more of a hobby uh, than anything. What do you um, love right now that you own or that you have? Or that well, you Henry have? knows about the the Harmony um, Gene Autry stencil guitar. I saw that. that, that I recently you. bought. That actually goes back to that guitar. It was a guitarologist video. You the it was a guitarologist one. video. I, I, I video. bought it off of him, and he has also quickly become one of my favorite. YouTube channel. I love his he's Friday great. rants. Those are the, those are the good ones. He's right so there. like he's like mm. just a medium amount of snarky. Where mm-hmm. he, like you can great guy up. and 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 he sold me that guitar for for a great deal. Yeah. Super. Reasonable. That's a cool guitar. So did you have to fix it up? Oh, tons. No, and and, and that that was fully disclosed. He said he you know he had yeah. bought this thing in rough condition. I remember, and he put yeah. it in a closet and he has not touched it in years. And it's from the forties. It was from nineteen forty two. 
It's an F-42. Uh, there's a lot of controversy over what the F means in those old harmonies. Uh, what a Flat lot of top, people. Maybe? No, it, it, it's regarding the time of year. People used to say it was uh, regarding the season, so hmm, it would suggest fall. that it's a fall of 1942. Hmm. Uh, but then a lot of evidence has come up to meaning because uh, there's F and S. And because Harmony, on the record, did take two weeks off of production every year at the beginning of July, that it Summer? means first and oh. second half of the year. That makes more sense. Um, there's nothing written in stone about what that means, but it's an F-42, which I'm going to presume for the time being means it's from the first half of 1942. And that's the Harmony. Um, those are from, um, sorry to interrupt you. So it, it's it Chicago, was, right? Yeah, it, they were Chicago, right? It's hard to say because they were sold in the Sears catalog and they were, uh, when they first came out in the 30s, they were marketed as, as, uh, as, as silver tones, mm-hmm. but they were manufactured in the Harmony factory. Airline and, also came out of that factory. So yeah. most people refer to them as as Harmonies, but I suppose really tone. the only name you can really truly give it is a Sears Roebuck. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Sears um, guitars. But uh, it's 1942. America's at war. Factories very likely uh, full of either old old men or or women uh, filling the factory jobs, and parts are at an all time shortage because of of the war effort. Most guitar factories even stopped manufacturing. Well, I was going to say the wood itself guitars. is probably older than the forties. Well, that's the around. thing is is Sears was still manufacturing these because they could. They were a company that was large enough to still be able to afford manufacturing things. But uh, I've tried to find some reference photos of other 1942 guitars from this exact same line. I've found about a dozen. All 12 are different. Hmm. Mine has a straight steel saddle, just basically a piece of fret wire, (laughs) uh, and it has a wooden nut. Okay. And I've no never other, seen a wooden nut in my life. And it's like obviously like this from the factory. But yeah. what, what it comes down to is this is at a time when they were trying to spit out as many guitars as they could with whatever they had yeah. in the factory. It might actually be so, one of kind. I mean, there might it not very be, well could be. Yeah. And so yeah, when I when I bought it off him, I was I was very excited because this is gonna be a, a nice big restoration project. It's not worth much <laughs> no mint condition these things will get 550 yeah so it's like i'm this is not to turn around and flip or anything i like that Probably it sounds- has a lot of old character you got it playing good and everything. well so the 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 bridge was completely cracked off and cracked into three pieces and so that's the entire bridge the piece entire on top, not just and that, was a wood, that was like a rosewood piece or something or like uh a, ebony okay and so I, I rebuilt that. Uh, there was a chunk missing, so I've 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 cut a big chunk out and replaced it with a a, a pretty pretty similar piece of ebony that I could find. That was a fun little thing to do. Uh, the intonation is completely bonkers. I was going to say perfect, but uh, not a chance, right? Eh, you know, perfect for what it is. Yeah, right? Yeah, right. You showed me it's, those measurements. It's got no radius. It's, it's a completely, completely flat, flat 
Well, I was uh, I was surprised. A spatula in there. So like the the way that they kind of got the scale length pretty close in those photos you showed me was was yeah. kind of impressive. Oh yeah, no, I I did all the math and found out like yeah, you know what? It, it's it's not bad. Yeah, it's not far off, but at the same time, I'm like you know I could make it better. So you can so, rock some chords on that thing. Mm, you know, is it? And then you know comes the big inner turmoil of man like this thing it still has the three on a side cluson tuners mm-hmm. that came with it which i was able to complete i i did a bunch of uh electrolysis rust removal cool. on those. those are fun pictures too um that was a a, a good deal of fun i believe you uh, sent me the, it was like the little like a little sunday morning fun or something you sent me it's like an, atro- an electrolysis bath in a fucking five oh, gallon tub. in my in my shower at home <laughs> uh with the exhaust fan on kids because that shit is Damn uh, right. you are creating some pretty concentrated oxygen no open gas. flames near that either. um <laughs> all the tuner buttons are missing yeah. so i was just like oh yeah you know this is this is actually going to be a great deal of fun and then it's got the the singing cowboy himself right. with the lasso stenciled on the front. How's the paint? Yeah, I was going to say, how's like the It's actual... not bad. Yeah. It's not bad. A lot of the top was splitting off of the sides, yeah. so I had to, had to do a lot of work there. All the inner bracing, though, is, is remarkable. The top was pretty warped, so I had to pump a lot of humidity into that thing and then just brace it for weeks at a time to try to straighten mm-hmm. A lot of that, which really that wood wants to go back to where it should be, if you just give it the the right attention give that it, it needs. So, yeah. so that's been like the big project uh, going now. I also have a, a, an early '70s Epiphone acoustic, a Ooh. 120. That's just that was kind of like the first guitar that I ever bought to work on. I bought it as just an as-is eBay auction, uh, you know someone reduced the price because it was missing strings you know you have to look for the buyers that that don't really which, know which model is it acoustic you said or? yeah yeah it's a it's an acoustic uh that was at ft120 okay. I, I believe uh and that had a lot of bracing problems inside separating from the top mm-hmm. and uh you know a lot of dan Erlewine videos later shout out stumac straight up dan Erlewine is is everything mm-hmm. um just one by one you know you you fix one you restring it up you start playing it a week later you there's notice oh man you know there's there's another one that's all uh, right that's then, wood for you man yeah you know you, you get in there you learn how to file all that old glue out of those joints you learn how to completely remove them if you need to and just start over uh-huh. you get a little webcam inside there with some land and it's it's like build, it's building ships in a bottle, but that's a really good analogy. It's, yeah, totally. It, but it's it's fu- like I don't know. To me, there's no better Friday night. Like it's, I love it. It's just the right amount of, of 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 attention and detail that I I just I really 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 get into. You probably learn so much about the way they put it together too when you're actually mm-hmm. replacing parts and maybe you can even replace it in a better way than they had originally done. Uh, the most. Often, and I, I only say that because I'm not dealing with any, you know, late 50s Martins or anything that I know were, like, really sure. professionally put together. I'm dealing with assembly line guitars. You're kind of hot-riding you know, assembly these, yeah, line. Yeah, these are guitars from Sears. Those Epiphones, 
were, you know, made in different factories in Japan. Like, nothing was truly expertly built. Not like, you know, the, the, the guys at Lakeland, you know, who you know, like, man, these guys are putting detail yeah. into everything that they... Yeah. Th- th- this was not... This was how many can we get out this week? Hell yeah. And will they last 50? Who cares? I mean, well, what's and funny 50 is, years later, here I am going like, damn. That's even the way... That, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's even how, like, Fender and Gibson were operating at the time, too, mm-hmm. which were huge companies, or maybe not as huge as they are now, but... Which is why it's sometimes funny to see guys really seeking out these old pickups and things going like, right. you know, they they weren't made well. Like, you, you like them because they're old. Mm-hmm. Well, there used to be a joke. I think we talked about <laughs> it in one episode. They are unique. They do have a sound all their own. And if, if you think that's good, that's, that's yeah, cool. That's unique. One thing. If you're just going after them because they're old, old ain't better. No. Yep. No. <laughs> Necessarily. That's we, funny. That's a theme that's emerged in a handful of episodes yeah. now. That I think, because you and I tend to be vintage boys, but yeah. I think, yeah, that I, I'm going to start. I'm gonna start giving a little more credence to some new stuff sometimes because mm-hmm. old doesn't not doesn't necessarily mean better. It just it it's piece to piece. Especially when you're buying online or trying to get like a deal on eBay or something, yeah. you have no idea what that thing's gonna show up like. You know, it's like um, we were talking about that 1970 Les Paul that I had earlier, which yes. I bought on eBay because I got such a good deal on it. Right. I liked that guitar. I, I really liked that guitar, but I never really bonded with it. But then I went to CME one day and picked up that custom, and it was like this is the one that you got fits to my play hand. It. exactly. And then they yeah. had to get rid of the old, the old one, and get the new one. Well, they're both old. And I like to stress to people to pay attention to the 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 army and the draft mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to electric guitars. Maybe that applies more to the Korean War, but with you know that harmony that I have with. Uh, all the expert builders, if there even were any in these factories, are gone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, they were replacing them with basically whoever they could find, whether they were under a under draft age boys or, or, or women or, like I said, some of the older guys that they would bring out of retirement to bring them back into the sure. factories. Um, these were not necessarily the expert builders making this stuff. Well, that's what's interesting. So, I mean, you think it's like yeah. everybody in there knew exactly what they were doing, but you might have had one guy who kind of like, how many people can he really help at a time mm-hmm. who are just putting these things together? Oh, you, know? you see old uh, old film reels of, of, of Fender winding I pickups. I love those. It's all the old, the they're, ladies were all doing the mm-hmm. yeah, and, and They still they're, do. They're yeah. just pulling parts out of bins. bins. It's, it's not like they're measuring nope. each single, like, like a lot of very boutique pickup manufacturers are now. The attention that they're putting into this stuff Measuring is every magnet. Insane. To ironically this was recreate not that. the sound that yeah, was this was made back mm-hmm. Yeah, this looks about right. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that feels like enough wines. All I right. That's what makes it so unique and magical, though, because you can, you can play five different, let's say, Fenders, or even, let's say, Les Pauls, and they're all going to be Well, cool. yeah, and it's it's easy to listen to Jeff Beck playing, uh, you know, a late and 50s then, Les Paul yeah. going, man, he sounds amazing. That guitar sounds great. And then you find one, and it it might not sound like Give that. him a Chinese Squire. He's going to sound just as good on that thing. Well, yeah. They but, came out with his... He was one of the first signature models they ever came out with. Yeah, with the, you remember the first was we talked about it. That's right. Ingve, baby. I uh, keep going. Keep no, going. you're not allowed to use the internet here. Uh, no, That's I want to show you something. Oh, yeah, you can I show wanna, us wanna, something. Wanna, I'll do it after. Let's do it after do because it after you know show. what? We're uh, we're approaching a pretty, I have a, a I have pretty a picture, late mark here. I have a picture with uh, with Jeff Beck's guitar. Really? That I, was, I was able to play with. Maybe that'll, no, have, maybe that'll have to be the epiphoto. Uh, I think that, epifoto. can we do, can we epifoto, use that? Epiphoto, there epifoto. you go. Uh, yeah, so uh, I don't know, anything, anything you want to say? Is there anything you want 
our listeners to to check out yeah, promote or, or, or promote or anything like yeah. that uh geez put on hire spot. you yeah. for uh for your next uh sweet live sound gig no, or furniture I would, building I would, I would say please don't <laughs> I, I want to yeah that's uh, the other thing that's i want to go home i was gonna say i feel like a minute you were the first person i've probably tried to get on the show but because you're never in town uh for more than like a couple days at a time it's been you know 21 episodes i'm now pretty sure we brought you up well, every I'm, single episode almost and yeah. and 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 i uh, I appreciate all of them, and I I'd like to just plug Brad because I know he's yes. not going to listen to this. I love that. Thanks for bringing it back to Brad, who does not <laughs> listen from Sweden. Dude, it's like two in the morning there right now, or something, right? It so. is. Uh, it's, I think it's. I can't remember what daylight savings time, but it's either seven or eight hours right now. So go. no, he's he's awake right now. It's not like we're live broadcasting though. So he'll he'll you know, be whatever. sleeping when we release it. I promise. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So hey, I think that was. We're getting better at this every episode. Yeah, I, I I genuinely feel like every episode's the best episode. So me too. Good me too. job, boys. Yeah, thanks. Matt, thank you so much. Thanks dude. for having me. Thanks for uh, letting me rap about dinosaurs. <laughs> you know, gear. Bye. <laughs>